What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in this week's episode, I get to sit down with Jack Ventura, the founder and creator of Pharaoh. Pharaoh Board Bags is a company dedicated not only to sustainability, but highlighting exploration and inspiring craftsmanship. Jack, never having sewn a board bag by himself, never having done anything of the sorts, decided that, hey, I'm going to live my dream. I'm going to try and create a company that highlights what I love to do, which is surfing, while at the same time allowing me to travel, do my thing, and create a brand that is meaningful not only to him, but the surfing community. And that's exactly what Jack did. And that is the result of what we have with Pharaoh Surfboard Bags. He's a very interesting dude, great story, a lot of insight, and hearing his perspective of creating a business all on your own. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Make sure to go over to our website, alongthekeel.com. Sign up for our newsletter, like, share, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to check out the latest article featuring Pharaoh with Chasing Tides over on chasingtides.com. Give them a like, share, and follow on Facebook and Instagram. Those guys are awesome, and they are a partner of ours. So make sure to go and show them some love. Also, Waypoint TV, big shout out. Waypoint TV is where you can also listen to the podcast. You can also get some great content over there. If you're a hunter or a fisherman, that is the place to be. So with that being said, enjoy this episode of the podcast, episode number 67, featuring Jack Ventura from Pharaoh Surfboard Bags. Um, so you're in Puerto Rico. I like the shirt, by the way. What do you got on? What kind of hat are you wearing right now? Uh, so this is a Paul Surf hat. Um, okay. Uh, a friend of mine has a surf company called Paul Surf. They do all oh, nice. Handmade, yeah, all handmade surfboards, all glassing and shop, everything like that. So, yeah, help out a little bit over there at the shop. But um, yeah. now, is that is that in Long Island or is that down in Puerto Rico? Uh, nope, it's in Rockaway, New, New York. So, oh, okay, yeah. all right, yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, really, well, really nice stuff. Yeah, it looks like it. I like that hat and the. Man, I'm always so impressed by your um your branding. Like I'm still I'm looking I'm looking at the Pharaoh font and everything. It's freaking dope. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, I just tried yeah. to keep it like as simple as possible. Um, which yeah, was super difficult actually. <laughs> yeah. You know, you see some of these brands and you're like, oh, that's such an easy logo. I could definitely do that. Such easy copy and mm-hmm. branding and everything. I could definitely do that. And then you start getting into it and it's not as easy as you think. Um, yeah be simple but yeah it was definitely an experience learning all that stuff um a lot of friends helped me out with that but yeah it's funny like i'm kind of going through something similar where i'm trying to you know expand the podcast and make it a little bit more of a of a business and and going that route and finding ways to do things more more simply right um is a complete challenge to overcome oh yeah you know it's like it's and it and it's uh you would think it wouldn't be but yet here we are struggling (laughs) to make things more and more simple (laughs) i know but that's kind of the name of the game right like once you figure it out then you have it where exactly yeah when things are more difficult it's like more difficult all the time but you work hard now to get it as simple as you can and then in the future you know, the branding, you just know, okay, this is my style of branding. Easy. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, yeah. there's a lot of work. <laughs> there's always a lot of legwork in the beginning, right? That preparation. I'm reading, um, there's a, have you heard of David Goggins uh, before? Yeah. No. So he's like a Navy SEAL. He's like one of those Navy SEALs that went off and wrote a book, right? Um, and I'm reading his book and he talks about, you know, just preparation, right? He would run these crazy hundred mile races out in the, the Sahara desert. And it was all about, you know, preparing his, um, you know, his, his body conditioning, his body mentally, physically, even like down to the gear that he was wearing. It was, uh, it was kind of interesting to see how it all played out, but, uh, enough about David Goggins. Yeah. So you're in Puerto Rico right now, right? Yep, in Puerto Rico. Been here for about six weeks, and I got mm-hmm. two more weeks left. Um, just yeah, down here on a surf trip and focusing on doing some back end business stuff. So before mm-hmm. I left, I sewed. So I make the surfboard bags and I sew hand sew every single one. So I just mm-hmm. pulled some stock for the website, and luckily I have my sister helping me out shipping some stuff. And I'm down here now just focusing on the back end and also serving. 
Yeah. And what a place to focus on your business and, and be able to go out and surf every day. Cause oh, yeah. you're from long Island. Well, not, you're not from long Island, but you you're living in long Island right now. Well, back home, right? Yep. So um, in the States. I mean, I'm originally from long Island. That's where I grew up. Oh, you are. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I grew up in Eastport, which is kind of out East by the Hamptons. So I grew mm-hmm. up out there, um, on the beach and stuff. And then yeah, I spent the past few years traveling around and yeah, now I'm just taking a little vacation down here in Puerto Rico, escaping the cold a little bit. Um, yeah. But you don't I mean, it, it seemed like from when we last spoke, it seems like there's a pattern of going and traveling a lot because, you know, you've, you, you know, you mentioned places like, uh, I think was it Australia that you've been to. Yeah. Yeah. I spent um, a year surfing over there. there. And so where did this whole, where did this, um, spark for travel start like was it something that you did growing up as a kid and then you just kind of continued on or was it like you know graduating school you're like screw it I'm, I'm going to wherever yeah so it was kind of like the opposite We're growing up like you know I took vacations with my family and stuff but never really traveled so much mm-hmm. um and then yeah just the progression of the activities I'd like to do I really liked skateboarding before I started surfing and just mm-hmm. watching these different skate videos of people skating all these like famous spots all over the world in Spain and Argentina. And I was like, Oh my God, like I want to do that. I want to go skate and see the world. And right. yeah, a lot of people were like, no, you can't do that. You can't just go travel. You need money. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And then <laughs> yeah. I started surfing a lot and just in the surfing community, you meet so many interesting people and I just saw that people were doing it. They were working at restaurants, working on fishing boats, doing whatever they needed to do, starting businesses and yeah, saving up their money, living as simply as possible. And then going off to these different places around the world to surf and just kind of experience life. So yeah. yeah, right when I graduated high school, I started saving my money and mm-hmm. worked in restaurants for like a really long time and then took my first surf trip down the coast. Which was where? Oh, actually, my first surf trip was to Puerto Rico. I oh, really? Where you are now? Yep. Came down here for two weeks with a Full friend. Full circle. Yep, exactly. Um, came down here for two weeks with a friend and we got lucky and the waves were good for like two weeks straight and mm-hmm. yeah. It was either a good thing or a bad thing because then for the next like seven years after I couldn't stop traveling. <laughs> yeah, you just get addicted, right? And exactly. so surfing, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you pretty much grew up surfing your entire life. Like, was this something in the family that you did, or was um, something you kind of went off on your own and did? Yeah, something I kind of went off on my own and did. So, yeah, I grew up skating from when I was younger, and mm-hmm. just did that ever since I was yeah like seven or eight years old. I'm 29 now. I still skate, but um, yeah, around like. 18 i would say around 17 is when i got like 17 18 is when i got really into surfing Mm -hmm. um i think it was just like all right i skated for so long like what's the next step in the progression um surfing was definitely that and then prior to that you know i grew up on long island so i grew up at the beach all the time i was like boogie boarding skimboarding body surfing surfing i guess occasionally you know kind of more mm-hmm. just like paddling out and falling and having yeah um <laughs> getting getting drilled into the sand yeah exactly <laughs> that was it we just thought it was fun i think that was more fun when we were younger than actually standing up oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> especially on i can the remember yeah i can remember going out and you know going out in the waves down here in matunic and um just you know wave jumping right so like when the wave passes you jump up and then you get crushed by it and yeah. you just pop up and you go do it again and yep, yep. i mean that's that's the fun part right is getting destroyed exactly. <laughs> for some people maybe <laughs> no and that's still the, the fun part now you know that's why you push yourself in bigger waves because yeah it does feel good to like get a good wave but also it feels good to like fall and just get worked and then get back up and be like all right like let's do yeah. it again that uh, <laughs> adrenaline rush Um, exactly exactly and and it's funny like i see such a correlation between the surf community and those who are going out and starting businesses and different brands and because not for nothing but the surf community is they all seem to be bootstrapping whatever they're doing Mm -hmm. all the time like they might not go and start a company or a brand but in order to go on that rad surf trip they have to then, you know, work in restaurants and hustle and bootstrap for that one trip. And then it, 
the cycle seems to kind of continue. I I'm getting that impression. So when you were going on your trips, was this always like, all right, we're going to work really, really hard. And then we're going to go on this trip and see what the next door opens up because I'm, I'm sure every single trip is a new experience is a new door that opens up people that you meet. And then all of which would then lead you to kind of start your own brand. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely like I've seen that correlation also within the surf community, like people bootstrapping their own thing. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of work that goes into going on one surf trip. And I think after you do that a few times, you're like, all right, I can kind of do anything now. Mm. Um, from my own experience, yeah, I was working in restaurants, saving up money, working just basically any job I could, and then going and traveling and exactly seeing like, which door it opened up and kind of just keeping my options open. Um, and yeah, it brought me to starting my own business, Pharaoh. And then before that, I kind of knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or just have my own business. I didn't know the word entrepreneur then, you know, I just always felt like I wanted my work and my play to be the same thing. I couldn't understand Mm, kind of like separating the two. Like, why would I spend all day working for my whole life to then spend equal or less amount of time like playing? Why can't I just kind of do it all at once? There's got to be a way to combine these two things. Exactly. There's got to be a way. And, you know, a lot of people tell you that there isn't, but there definitely is. But it also doesn't come without sacrifice and maybe doing things that you don't want to do for a little um, you know, like working odd jobs and, you know, there's just a lot of things you have to do sometimes to get to where you want to be. Yeah. Oh man. That's the truth right there. Just, yeah. <laughs> and, and not, not settling, right. Just trying to, no matter what, try and make some extra cash here and there, putting in the long hours, you know, after your job into something, whatever that may be. Um, I always kind of go back to this guy who I've, I might have talked to him about talked about him a few times, but he he's since passed away. His name was Chris Moore, and he always said like, try and find something you're passionate about. And I think passion is kind of a is kind of a buzzword similar to entrepreneurship. You know, it's like, oh, dude, follow your passion, chase your passion. Yeah, but what if you suck at your passion? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like quite frankly, you know, there, there's there's also that. You know, and Mike Rowe also says he's you know he says passion is crap, right? Because at the same time, there's guys that run a, a sewer or a septic pumping company, right? Who are really passionate about shit, <laughs> you <laughs> know, and but they're not necessarily passionate about that. They're passionate about building and helping grow a community and a business, and mm-hmm. that's their passion, right? So I think there's I think that word definitely has its play. And the same with entrepreneur, but there's, you got to kind of read between the lines. So, you know, going back to what Chris Morris said is like, you got to kind of find that thing that you're, that you can go back to every day, like your craft. Right. Mm -hmm. And I find that so interesting with the surf community, because no matter what day in and day out, right, these guys are either getting up super, super early to catch the first wave at, you know, once the sun comes over the horizon or they're staying up late to then catch that last wave and, and do it all over again. Right. So throughout your experience traveling around the world and getting to surf in some pretty amazing places, uh, what's been your favorite one so far? And then within that has, has there been like an ex- a moment that kind of sticks out to you that was like, Oh man, this is, I got to go do my own thing. Like this is what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky enough to like go to some amazing places and a lot of places that I never thought that I would be able to see and, and surf and, yeah, meet like amazing people along the way. It's hard to narrow it down to one spot. Um, <laughs> I think like there was a real like defining moment in my life when I went to Indonesia for like the first mm. time. Um, prior to that, I had been to like Central America a little bit, Puerto Rico, done a few like trips along the East Coast surfing. Um, and yeah, the waves were like equally as good in all those places. But mm. I went to Indonesia for the first time and I traveled there alone. So I spent um, a couple of weeks there like by myself surfing and meeting new people. And I was kind of like, wow, there are other people out there in the world that are making stuff happen for themselves. Um, yeah. I need to, to do this. And at that time, I didn't know what it was I wanted to do. And yeah, it wasn't until like a long time after. 
Um, but I just kind of knew in that moment, that was kind of like a defining moment for me where I was like, all right, like I got to do something mm-hmm. that I enjoy every day. Um, because that's, what's gonna, yeah, hopefully bring me happiness and seeing people that started their own businesses or doing whatever it is they were doing, um, inspired me to kind of do the same and hopefully I can yeah. inspire somebody else to do that also. Yeah. Right. And the cycle continues, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's the cool part. And I always look at it as if, if I can, if I'm on the boat with someone and they've never been on the water before, or I can tell them something about the ocean that's, you know, inspiring or cool or creative or what have you, that might change that person's perspective on whatever they view the water as, you know, whether it's on a charter or on a fishing trip or, or what have you, there's like that brief moment where you can kind of take a pause and, and, potentially change the course of someone's life or mindset or, and it could be very small, you know, or it could not have to do anything. Right. I mean, there's that too, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty inspiring thing to do is like to go travel. You know, I know for me having traveled a little bit and lived in Hawaii, like that was a huge turning point as to where my mindset is now. You know, did you meet anyone over there that was kind of like, Oh man, I got to be like, you know, John or, jack or whoever you know i mean not really anybody in particular and even like in that moment you know looking back on it now it's easy to say like okay that was the moment that like i felt like i had to do something but even in that moment i don't think i really knew it it wasn't Mm. until i like kind of left and was looking back on it and you know getting back home going back into the normal grind of working saving money doing whatever that i was like whoa like there's other options out there. So I don't think it was one person or one moment. It was just like a collection of all different things. And then looking back on that in the past. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Having that ability to go back and reflect. Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of times it's like not even anything like super important, you know, it can just be like you at a restaurant. Like I remember one time we were, I was in, Bali and we were just like hanging out outside of a get like a gas station little store mm. like having a few beers and just talking with people and seeing how happy everybody was and some people were doing their own things working remotely had their own businesses had moved there full time and just being like wow like this is awesome you know when you look <laughs> yeah. and it's not even like anything big just hanging out but yeah I don't know you kind of look back on those things and they change you yeah. You, you get like, wait, man, I can, if that guy's doing it, yeah. then I can do it. You know, exactly. like, cause you know, there's really not a lot of difference between like, if, if he's out there surfing, you know, he's on a surfboard, he's enjoying the water just as much as you are, but he's got this other thing kind of going on. It's pretty cool to be like, man, I want to, I kind of want to mimic that, you know, in yeah. a way, you know, um, there's a guy on the show, Brian, who is the founder of, um, and sunscreen. And he's such a great guy. He, he has it set up where, you know, he works for, he, he does a lot of work for raw elements year round, but then during the summer, he comes up to Rhode Island and, and he spends the, 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 the summer months as a lifeguard on Narragansett beach, which is what he's done for years and years and years. And I look at him like, man, that is, you got such a, I told him, I'm like, man, you got such a cool setup because you live up here during the warm months and then you shoot down to Miami and you work on raw elements and whatnot. And I'm like, and I'm sure there's other things that he's doing, but you know, from a, from a surface level, I'm like, man, Brian's got it going on, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure you've met people that are doing the same thing, but in their own respective community. Um, so, you know, at, at some point in time, you decided that, you know, there's something I want to, I want to start something, you know, like I want to get this thing going. I want to get it off the ground. I kind of want to start to do what other, what I've seen other people do. What made you choose board bags? Because as a surfer, you could have done, you could have done leashes. You could have done, you could have built your own boards, right? Like what drove you to start to do board bags and how did that evolve into Pharaoh? Yeah. So it was a long process for sure. And like I said, mm-hmm. I spent like, you know, the past few years, like traveling and thinking about ideas and always knowing that I wanted to do something that aligned with my passion. So in that time, you know, when I was in Indonesia and noticed that people were like, you know, happy and doing things that they love, there was definitely times where I thought like, okay, maybe I can just make money doing something mm-hmm. and that will like 
bring me time and happiness and that would be good enough. So yeah, I experimented with some different ways to like just make money, for example, like trying to teach myself how to code, trying to like mm-hmm. think about starting an Amazon business, um, <laughs> all, all different things. And yeah. none of them really just felt, none of them felt right. Um, when I looked into starting an Amazon business, I was looking at that for like a pretty long time. And it was just like, yeah, find the best selling product on Amazon, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, and try yeah. and sell it better. You know, and that right. could be like, I don't know, like a knife case or it could be plastic forks. It could be anything. But as long as mm-hmm. it's selling really well, try and sell it better, you'll make money. And then that'll right. be happiness. But that like flow didn't feel right for me because having traveled around and seen like the trash and pollution and overconsumption that like it just litters the whole world. I couldn't bring right. myself to sell something that I wasn't at least passionate about. You know, if mm-hmm. I'm going to be, if you sell a product, you're creating something that's going to possibly eventually like be thrown away. Um, yeah. So you're just, if you're selling something you're not passionate about, you're just like creating more crap in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, then very the same, well put. <laughs> yeah. And then the same kind of cycle went in. Okay. Travel, surf, work, figure something else out. Um, because I noticed that like, yeah, I wanted to do something I was passionate about, but I didn't know what that was yet. So I just kind of did, did the same thing. And then mm. yeah, I had the idea to make bags for surfboard fins was my original idea. And so I started researching kind of like how to get the bags made or if I was going to make them myself, stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. I noticed that I hated all my surfboard bags. Like the stuff. <laughs> Why is that? Because I, w- I just had like cheap ones that I bought and the leash would always get stuck on them because they're like mm-hmm. a cotton type of polyester thing that is just... Like, oh, so like the Velcro would almost stick to it? Always stick to it. And then the Velcro okay. on the strap gets full of all these little fuzzes that right. ruin the, the connection of the Velcro. And then also they're really hard to put on. They're not made from good materials. I don't have any connection to the brand. Um mm-hmm. And then also like the ones that were around in the market that weren't like that were, yeah, just not like colors that I really felt represented me or maybe in the Mm. moment I liked, but I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this in like a month, a year or whatever. Um, So then, yeah, I kind of had like a light bulb moment where I was like, wait, why don't I try and make surfboard bags? Um, And it relates back to everything I've been doing for like the past eight years, which is just like surfing and traveling. Um, right so yeah it kind of just made sense out of nowhere you know like all this time trying to figure something out and then mm-hmm. like kind of staring me right in the face right in front of you yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and, funny how that works yeah so funny and like it kind of like once that happened everything started like making sense and all these you know you read different type of like business interviews and listen to podcasts and stuff and people always say like find something that you're interested in because it's going to be a lot of work and all this stuff and Mm-hmm. yeah then i was like all right this is what i'm interested in and i'm gonna go for it and give it a go um and that's how the idea of pharaoh was born right yeah no it's funny because I, I it's um it's somewhat similar to what came to be with along what is now along the keel and what is now what it, how it's in how it's evolving and where it's going and, and and so on and so forth you know when i was in college in order to make some extra beer money um I would go and, and I didn't even really drink, so it doesn't really make sense. Not even beer money. I guess gym money would work, <laughs> would be more suitable for me. But, um, I had an Amazon business online cause I knew a friend of mine who I've spoke about on this, on this podcast a lot, owns a coffee company and he sells everything on Amazon. So he kind of showed me a few things and my neighbor has a business on Amazon and, you know, like you, and they actually make their own products. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, they're just buying random shit and just bringing it on, you know, con- contributing to the consumer plastic issues in the world. Yeah. Um, but for a brief moment I did because I'd go to a, a local store called job lot and I just take these, um, they were like, uh, sweatbands or something. And I just take them and I dump them into my cart by the, by the, like the armful and I'd roll out with like 20 of them. Mm-hmm. And then I'd sell them on Amazon. It was, you know, it was, you know, to the same sense, it was, uh, it was cool to be able to say like, Hey, I made, you know, I 
connected the dots, right? But that's really all it was. There was no brand. There was no mission or passion or anything to really go off of it. And like you, the ocean has always been kind of that underlying factor for me. You know, it's always been that thing that either I work on it, I enjoy it, I live next to it. Like Mm -hmm. it, it was staring me in the face. So I see a lot of correlations between, you know, the way we kind of came to what is now either Pharaoh or along the keel, which is super cool. And uh, just a brief antidote. So Pharaoh, right? That is your, the, in, in Spanish, That's that means lighthouse, correct? Lighthouse, yep, correct, is a word for lighthouse. Yeah. Right, so how do, how do we, like, why, why lighthouse? Yeah, um, I kind of chose that word. To be honest, I searched through, like, a bunch of different, like, choosing a name was also another difficult kind of, <laughs> kind of thing for oh, me. Because yeah. um, I kind of knew... I've been really inspired by com- like Spanish speaking countries. So I mm-hmm. spent some time in Spain. I spent some time in Mexico and like, yeah, met amazing people and the landscapes were amazing. The waves were really good. Just like the colors that are around in those places, like Northern Spain, for example, in the winter time, it's like so beautiful. The greens are so green and then the browns and stuff are like so brown and everything's wet. And it's kind of raining. And the ocean has this like darkish blue tint to it. I don't know. I just really loved it. And then when you go mm. to Mexico, you have through Baja, like all these deserts. And then you have these beautiful green cactuses around like just brown sand and the ocean is blue and everything was just like awesome. So I knew I really kind of wanted to use those colors and through a little bit of like Spanish speaking countries, words, stuff like that into it. But I went through a bunch of things, and a lot of things mm-hmm. were like hard for people who speak English to kind of pronounce, um, myself included. Um, right. No habla, and, no habla espanol. Yeah. I speak a little bit, but um, <laughs> it's still difficult. You know, you want to choose something like the primary market is here in the U.S., so I want to mm-hmm. choose something that is like good for the people here and, you know, my ideal client and stuff like that. Um, so I ended up choosing Pharaoh. And mm-hmm. before I even chose the word, the idea of like the lighthouse was definitely in my head. You know, I wanted to correlate that into the brand and the brand mm-hmm. stuff somehow. And then, yeah, it just made sense to choose Pharaoh because these lighthouses kind of, you know, not so much now because all the boats have navigation and you can, you know, right. set your course and go and you can pull right into your, into your boat slip without even touching the steering wheel. But, mm-hmm. um, before that, you know, people depended on these lighthouses to kind of guide them around the world to all these places. And hopefully Faro as a brand can do the same. So it's kind of got to, it's going to like guide people who surf and travel and like adventure to all these places. And then just how the lighthouses would protect the crews and the ships, mm-hmm. the board bags are going to protect, you know, your boards as you travel. Oh, I like around. that. Yeah. I like that because I, I didn't put the, that part together i mean that the travel and the safety of the harbors is is one thing but then the protection element i think that's a really cool little antidote and um yeah i mean i don't know man it you know gps is great and all and your compass is you know obviously want to use your compass as much as you can but i mean when you see a lighthouse and you're like okay it has that nostalgic feeling that like yeah (laughs) and you can see the light from far away i mean i grew up fishing with my with my dad so like you know, I can just see that in my head kind of coming in from offshore. And even if it's not a lighthouse, but it's just like the green lights that are on the end of the mm-hmm. jetty when you go through the inlet, like you just see that blinking, you know, and you're like, all right, there's like, a right, we're here. <laughs> comes over you that, you know, you're home and worst comes to worst, you can swim to shore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, if we do anything, we can drive up onto the beach. So we'd be perfectly fine. Yeah. The boat yeah. might not be, but we would be. Exactly. But that um, sense of like safety comes over you. And hopefully that's what people will see when they, you know, see the board bags and they're like, all right, you know, my board's safe. I don't have to worry about this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I That same feeling. I mean, I, I ran boats in Hawaii and, you know, we would actually the boat didn't have a GPS unit on it. So I would use lighthouses. And fortunately, like, visibility out there is always just 10 plus nautical miles. Yeah. And, um, and it's like a hundred vis, you know, hundred feet down in terms of visibility. But, um, we, I would use lighthouses. Like that's how we would navigate off offshore there. And, um, but speaking of your board bags, 
you know, you, you have put in such effort into making a, not only a great product in terms of protecting your board, but it's a sustainable product. Like you've really gone into thinking through from, you know, from the packaging to, you know, how it's shipped to the actual product itself, you know, that this is a, this is a product that you can stand by if you're someone that wants to support, you know, a clean future for our ocean. Right. So can you kind of touch on like you're, you're personally making these bags, right? So can you kind of touch on the process in which a board bag is made and then, you know, all the great benefits that go around with just using the Pharaoh rather than the competition? Yeah, sure. So right now all the board bags that we make are like canvas covers. So similar to your surfboard sock, but definitely way better. So they're easier to put the board in and out. Like I said before, the leash doesn't get stuck on it. It kind of just has like a way better feel. It's heavier. So your board is going to be protected better than just a normal sock. Um, And then the process that goes into making it is actually pretty simple. So it's just a canvas bag with a drawstring pull. Um, Mm. And I wanted to keep it. The reason behind the simplicity of the bag is that if it's easy to make, it's easy to fix. So Mm. in the future. Yep, exactly. So this is hopefully a bag that you're going to you know, ideally keep forever. And then if your kids start to surf or a friend or somebody like pass the bag on to them. Um, and yeah, if it's constructed easily, it's easy to fix. So, you know, traveling, you come across crazy times, maybe your board like runs into a cactus and it's going to rip or something, you know, things are going to happen to it, but the way it's constructed, it's easy to take any one of the pieces of fabric off, fix them Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it may be, if a seam comes loose or something, we stand by that 100%. And it's easy for us to fix also. Um, and yeah, if you need a new drawstring or something in the future, it just slips through. So you can just get a new one and put that in. Um, so that's kind of the construction behind it. And then um, mm-hmm. what they're made of is hemp canvas. So okay, yeah, the reason why I chose hemp was because one, it's more durable. Mm-hmm. Two, it like breeds better. So you're not going to get the board super hot. And coming from like a surfboard shaping aspect of it, when your board gets really hot, if it's sitting in the sun or in your car or something, that's going to not help the longevity of the board. So it can mm-hmm. laminate. It's just not good for the board at all. It causes coloring, all this stuff. Um, so yeah, just wanted to get the best canvas that I could to help those problems. And then also it's good for the environment. So if like hemp is like excellent to grow, it's regenerative. So when you mm-hmm. plant it, it actually is good for the soil versus cotton and other things that like takes so much from the soil and doesn't really give so much back hemp. Right. Yeah. So it's just really good for the soil. When you actually use hemp to make any type of, you know, yarn that's going to be spun into canvas or shirts, anything. They only use the bark of the hemp. So as they take that, they clip all the leaves off and all the leaves just get dumped back on the soil. And, you know, that also adds to the regenerative property of of the hemp. Um, Oh, really? I didn't know that. So you're saying that if there's like a, does it, it grows in like a, a bush or a stalk, right? You know, and then they strip the bark off and that's what's used to make the hemp, but the plant stays alive. Like it's not harvested. It's not. So they, they do pull it. It is, it is okay. harvested, but the actual leaves that grow off the hemp stem right. are just thrown mm-hmm. back onto the ground and they just get composted and put back into the cycle, you know, and then right. the hemp itself is soaked and then they, the fibers come off and they take that and spin it, spin it into different type of yarns. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Whereas cotton, yeah. the whole plant is pulled out and then nothing gets put right. back. Right. Yeah. Right. Not to mention all the, you know, fertilizers and everything that goes into, you yeah. know, I and mean, that. that's just Chemicals another added bonus about hemp. Like it doesn't right. need any pesticides because like pests are like naturally deterred from it. It mm-hmm. needs barely any water to grow it compared to cotton and other types of plants um so yeah it was just right. like really smart choice to go that that route with the hemp and then yeah for sure i mean i heard um back in the day henry ford actually came up with like he was gonna skin his cars at first 
with hemp, right? Yeah. Because it was such a, it was sustainable. It was a fast, quick, quick growing uh, crop. Like it was like the, it was dubbed the miracle crop. But then, you know, everything went to hell in a handbasket there. And <laughs> now we're, now we're at a point where I feel like hemp and, you know, everything else that goes along with it is now seen in a way more positive light. So it's cool yeah. to see that, you know, you got, you're using a sustainable product and soup to nuts, really the board bags, you know, from the moment they come out of the ground to the moment they're in your, on your surfboard. I mean, there's a very small carbon footprint. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. And, you know, you're the one sewing it too, right? Like you're making every single board bag, which is, you know, super cool from a, from, you know, someone who is interested in handmade products, right? Cause there's a lot of care that goes into that. So why did you decide to go make a handmade, you know, cause you could have gone done the manufacturing thing, right. Yeah. And gone that route, but um, you decided to make them yourself. Yeah. I mean, I thought about going the manufacturing route and it was kind of similar to the problems we talked about earlier, like starting an Amazon business and doing, and, you know, just, just like doing something for money. Um, mm -hmm. I really wanted to like touch every single bag. So my original idea was to get them manufactured without any like logos or anything on them and then have them come to me and I would do some artwork on them for the logo. And every manufacturer I talked to was like, don't do that. You don't want to do that. You're going to mess it up. You're going to waste money. Just have us do it. And I was like, no, I don't mm -hmm. want to do that. And then other manufacturers I talked to were like, oh yeah, you need to order these large quantities or we're not going to be able to help you. It was just like every time I spoke to somebody, they just weren't like getting that this wasn't a project only to like grow and make money and sell. It was right. something that I was really passionate about and wanted like each bag to be as important to the person I sold it to as it is to, to me. Um, mm -hmm. And the manufacturers just kind of weren't getting that maybe because I'm too small of like a client right now for them. So they were just kind of writing me off, but yeah, I just couldn't couldn't find that connection. And then also, I really wanted to hand make what I was doing. I mean, mm. I've met people hand making surfboards, bathing suits, all types of things. And those are the people that ins inspired me, you know, because they seemed like they were the ones that were really happy. You know, they, they created something in the industry or in the field mm. that they really loved. And they're touching everything and then passing that experience on somebody else. And... Yeah, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to be part of it and hand make it. And if I keep things simple, I'll be able to make them, you know, in a, in a good amount of time where my labor pays off. Um, mm -hmm. and that was a lot harder than I thought also. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have any experience sewing surfboard bags. So had you any experience sewing in general? Um, not really. <laughs> yeah, so, so how, how did you go about from zero to a hundred like zero i don't even know what a needle is versus a hundred like oh crap we're making surfboard bags yeah so i did get um a few bags like five bags made from a seamstress out in california and mm -hmm. basically i just looked at her design and she helped me work through a design and then i just kind of was like all right this is what i need to teach myself how to do and then the YouTube university, I kind of just went <laughs> and started watching videos. And then I got a sewing machine and started practicing on all different types of fabric. And then I did take a few classes with mm. uh, seamstress in my area to kind of just like show me different tricks and stuff like that. Because yeah, I, I was able to get to a point where I felt super confident about the construction of the bags and talking to other seamstress. They're like, yeah, this is awesome. But then I wanted to work on getting my time down a little bit per bag. Mm. So yeah, I walked, I worked with a seamstress and she helped me out. And yeah, there's just been a lot of people helping me along the way, kind of showing me different tricks and just the learning process, I guess, with anybody that kind of crafts something, whether mm -hmm. you're making surfboards or knives, anything really, you know, there's the learning process and you always learn these different like little tricks and you speak to somebody else that's in the same industry and they're like, Oh, why are you doing it that way? You know, just do it this way. It's way easier. And right. like another light bulb moment. You're like, Oh yeah. Why didn't I think of that? So, easy. Yeah. um, but yeah, I just really wanted to touch and create every single bag that, you know, I'm, I'm selling. So right. it was kind of like a, a no brainer to just stop thinking about the manufacturers and 
just do it myself. And then COVID also kind of had like a play into that because a lot of the manufacturers mm-hmm. I was speaking to just like stopped answering me. Um, Cause yeah, this was in the works like way before COVID, but then like right. really gaining momentum right in the middle of it. And a lot of people just stopped working or shut their doors or stopped worrying about like such small clients. They just had to focus on what they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I said, that's it. I'm going to like, I knew I wanted to start Pharaoh and I knew I wanted to to do this. And if nobody was going to, you know, take me seriously, then I was just going to do it myself. And love that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely no, no regrets there. I love that. And yeah, I can, I can totally, um, I can totally agree with that. Like I've been told, you know, no and oh, you shouldn't do it that way. You should, and then you just wind up like, nah, I'm just going to do it anyway. And then, you know, all of a sudden start things start to click and yeah, maybe it's not the, the smoothest transition into not knowing what it is, but then now learning it and you learn things around along the way, but it's like this one, it's this one big, um, you know, evolution, right. From start to finish, which is the, which is the coolest part, which is the fun part, honestly. I mean, I don't know, like, has there been a moment where you were like, oh man, this is really fun. Like, this is why I'm doing Pharaoh. And then there's probably other moments where you're like, man, I am not doing Pharaoh today. Today is not the day for it. Cause I know for me, like I, I definitely go through those, that roller coaster of, oh, geez, you know, here we go again. And then, you know, the other days I'm like totally stoked, you know, waking up early and getting it, getting it done, you know? Um, yeah, there's definitely, I say there's way more times that I'm super stoked on it. And I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. You know, I'm creating something and being able to give it to people. Mm-hmm. And just like the whole process of, you know, cutting the fabric, sewing it, ironing it, putting it in the packaging. Like, I'm just so like excited along the whole way because I know that like it's going to go to somebody, especially when I package the board bags up and I write like a thank you note in every single one. Yeah. Like, oh man, this is so awesome. You know, a lot of times since I am pretty new, like, I'm having conversations with these people on Instagram or if it's somebody mm-hmm. I know through text message or in person about the bag that they're getting. And yeah, it's just so awesome to like, to do that. There's definitely some times that I'm like, Oh man, I don't know if I feel like doing this, right now. <laughs> but mainly like, yeah, when there's a few good days of surf and I know I have to make some bags and especially before I came out to Puerto Rico, I wanted to make sure I had enough stock on the website so mm-hmm. that, yeah, I can come down here for a little and not worry about r- running out of stock. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's one part that's a little bit difficult when you hand make everything. So if you work with a manufacturer, you can just be like, oh, you know. Make a phone call. Yep, make a <laughs> phone call and get more. But when you have to hand sew things, you know, life comes up, but you're got to put the business first and like kind of do right. those, those steps. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it's been a learning process also to kind of mixed work with surf and everything Mm -hmm. it's different when you have like a nine to five or like an actual job because you already know all right right from nine o'clock to five o'clock i can't surf i know i can like i gotta go somewhere but when it's your own thing you're like "Ah, maybe i'll just stay up late (laughs) and wake up early and then i'll go surf and then you like don't sleep all night and you're like oh why did i do that yeah yeah you know it's so it's I, i i'm i'm uh I definitely can see that, you know, this time of year, my, my job, my full-time job is, you know, starts to slow down because it's, I'm not on the water as much. So I kind of have that anonymity of where like I can go and I'm sorry, not am, I have that autonomy, but I can kind of do what I want in the morning. Like I wake up, I'll go to the gym and then I'll kind of go about my day and I'll work on along the keel. And you had such a great Instagram post. I think it was like maybe four days ago or like, a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember when it was, yeah, but I think like a week ago, a week ago, yeah, and that's how I found you because I was like, oh man, this guy gets it, <laughs> and it's just you know we at Pharaoh Surf, and in parentheses, there's we as in Jack, <laughs> and then you know our our sales team as also Jack. <laughs> I just thought I just I felt so similar to that because and i think i messaged you when i was messaging i was like oh yeah the the on the kill outreach zach me myself and i you know because every post every every piece of content every edit is all me you know Mm -hmm. and i you know just recently i brought on um someone to help me write the blogs katie and she's been phenomenal um but that was just recently you know and i just 
came along, came to a year of doing this whole podcast thing um, two days ago. So to see where it was and see where it's gone, um, but to realize that it's still just me and Pharaoh is still just you, right? Like you have to kind of push this truck up the hill and there's going to be times where you can, you can kind of ride it downhill a little bit. You kind of ride and then you have to like get out yep. and push again a little bit. So yeah. it's uh that post was so well put and well said for like the world of trying to create something that no one else has created, yeah. you know? But I think people, I think people like really appreciate that. And even in the future when you grow and maybe you bring a few more people on your team and maybe you have, you know, at first two people and 10 people, a hundred people, Mm -hmm. I think if you can keep that kind of small scale, like, I don't know, feel to it, people can mm -hmm. really tell. And yeah. yeah, that's what I'm trying to do with Pharaoh. And it seems like we're trying to do it along the keel. Like, you know, you can, you can do everything always by yourself, but mm -hmm. there's a difference between somebody who like is just an investor in a business and just puts their money in and lets it kind of do its thing. And there's a difference between somebody who works with their team alongside mm -hmm. alongside their, their team i should say with right. their business you know and yeah yeah hopefully with pharaoh like that's what the end you know not the end goal but the future goal will be to like work with my team of people helping us create this awesome community mm -hmm. of people that use our products yeah yeah it reminds me of what you just said there it reminds me a lot about um cory from jetty and i know you you said that you listened to that episode and you know, very similar, like Corey started Jetty, let's see, 18, 18 years ago, he yeah. said 18 years ago. And he cool. was, you know, working in bars. He was doing, you know, the whole side hustle thing. Right. And Jetty was just in their garage. And then it went and started to grow and grow and grow all the while. He was still working, you know, part time or full time at elsewhere. And, um, you know, it's it's the fact that they've been able to grow and stay that with that same mentality. You know, a lot of people know who Corey is, right? Because he's a part of the brand. He is the the essence of Jetty. So to see that you're doing the same thing with Pharaoh is really cool. And, you know, I'm trying to emulate that as well, you know, because people don't want to just talk to, you know, sales at pharaoh.com. They want to talk to Jack, right? Because it's another person, right? I can't, I can't stand when you try and go call a company and you get like this automated voicemail or like press one, but when you pick up and it's like, Hey, this is Jack. Yeah. It's like, Oh shit. Like I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's so cool. like to keep it like that, you know, forever. I, I, I don't know for as long as, as arrow is around to kind of have that small business. Mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then give back to the community, you know, and yeah. I, it, it, you know, with the way everything looks for Pharaoh, like you guys do such a great job with the sustainability aspect, the mindset. Do you have any plans for like really embedding yourself in, into the community itself and, and going that direction as well? Yes, for, for sure. So like a, a percentage of all of our sales, well, we just signed up for 1% of the planet. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Yeah, so 1% of the, the sales are going to that. And that's kind of been like, yeah, personal kind of dream of mine to be part mm -hmm. of that. Um, and yeah, there's just some great people that are on there. Good connections to be built. The money is going to people that are actually, you know, working on the ground, doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, but also we're keeping another percentage of all the sales aside for more like kind of local community stuff. So at the moment, we don't have any collaborations like fully lined up, but still we're doing another 1% of sales from every bag in like a savings account going toward mm -hmm. what will be collaborations with people like the Surfrider Foundation. Um, oh, cool. We did recently do a product giveaway with another local brand and they donate part of their sales to oyster restoration farming. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, right now that's what I'm working. That's why we haven't really signed on to like a full collaboration with anybody else other than one percent from the planet is because I'm trying to work with people doing regenerative farming, regenerative ocean farming. So hmm. farming, oyster clams, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. In like the Northeast, it's amazing what you can grow in, in the water and what it does yeah. for the ecosystem and 
it's just it's just really cool. And also, there's other places you can do it: Spain and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. You know, all these all these places that are just like perfect setups for growing kelp and farming oysters and stuff like that. So if we could, you know, use the money that we make and hopefully the community that we grow to mm-hmm. do that stuff, like it would be awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of yeah. our plan going into like how we're going to work with the community to do good. I love it. Yeah. That's such an important aspect and not to keep touching upon Jetty, but because there's, a lot of similarities between the brands like mm-hmm. they're doing just that too you know they do a lot of oyster restoration stuff and it's super important and um there was a brief moment in time where i actually got my permit to have an oyster farm and a kelp farm here in narragansett bay it was like awesome. three acres and uh thanks yeah it was it was one of those um going back to earlier in a conversation of i'm going to try a lot of different things and see yeah. what sticks <laughs> that was one of those things right it was I'm going to be a kelp farmer and then I'm going to have an Amazon business. And then I, I can't remember what else, but, um, as that evolution unfolded, right now we have the ability to go talk about it and which yeah. is kind of a cool evolution. And, um, eat, eat like a fish. I have read that book, yeah. um, by, um, I forgot Paul Greenberg. Yep. Yeah. Is that, is that him? Is it Paul Greenberg? I think so. I honestly forget the author's name, but, um, that book, I was reading it recommended by a friend like the same time i was trying to think about like what to do with the nails mm. of pharaoh and i was like whoa this is this is it this is it yeah, yeah. like this is the future that's, super that's cool. what i want to support yeah well then if you're interested in that i would definitely check out um there's this guy in connecticut called bren smith and he, um, he that that's the guy who wrote eat like a fish oh is that oh is that who it is yeah. okay all right because he he's a part of this thing called green wave and they're they do like 3d ocean farming um and i can remember sitting in i, can't, I was in like some marine class and because i was that's what my major was in college and i can remember seeing this come up on the on the projector and i was like holy shit like this is that's revolutionary you know i didn't know like, to have this thing. concept yeah it's wild and to think like all right you can grow kelp mussels oysters and then you could also create like an all-natural you know artificial reef essentially what it becomes like this ecosystem and it only takes up like an acre of of water oh yeah because you're using the water column which i was like man that's really really cool innovative amazing and like yeah you know surfing is like my my passion but also as of recently the past few years spear fishing and then always Mm. clamming and all this stuff and i was like well like this is awesome like you could bring some like artificial reefs to like long island bays where there's nothing but sand and then fish will be around and like and it just it just like kind of blew my mind a little bit because yeah maybe some people knew a lot about oyster farming and kelp farming but i Mm -hmm. never even knew that it was a thing, let, let alone the benefits that come from it. So right. yeah, when I read yeah. the book and did a little bit more research into it, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like this is what I want to support. Yeah, for sure. And as you kind of go about with the evolution of Pharaoh and finding ways to support and, and creating more board bags and spending late nights stitching, right. And, and putting them together, I'm sure. Um, where do you kind of see all this going? Like what's the long-term vision for pharaoh because you mentioned a lot about travel you mentioned a lot about creating high quality sustainable products how is this all kind of getting wrapped up and where do you see it getting pushed towards in the future yeah so right now we're making the canvas surfboard bags like i said and the goal is to continue making those and use the canvas bags to grow a community of people that are you know into the same things that we are sustainability and low consumption Mm-hmm. A, a low consumption life um but for the business the goal is to make the best quality travel surfboard bags um, mm. and that's kind of the long-term goal but right now kind of focusing on what's going on right now is making the campus covers growing the brand being able to find good businesses or efforts within the community that are doing good for you know the environment and the planet stuff mm-hmm. like that um, but definitely in the future, having the best travel surfboard bags because, yeah, I put a big emphasis in the business and in my own personal life of mm-hmm. buying things once and buying like the best quality thing you can. Um, 
And definitely that's for surfboards as well. Recently, I got into shaping my own boards and, you know, working oh, cool. with people. Yeah. So like just working with people that make quality stuff and yeah, you pay for it. Anybody that surfs a lot and gets their boards from a hand shaper, especially one who is like really good and well-known, like the mm. boards aren't cheap. And yeah, also it's a piece of art and it's something somebody else created and put their time into and you want to preserve that the best mm-hmm. you can. And the way you do that is to protect those boards. And when you go and travel, stuff like that, you should, you should have like the best board bag you can. And yeah, we're going to create that. Yeah. Well, I love it. And, you know, I, that's, that's always been something that I try and hold near and dear to my heart is like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 110%. If I'm going to buy something, I'm going to try and research the crap out of it. And everyone's going to make fun of me for it. But at the end of the day, I want to get the best quality product I can get, you know, and, you know, talking with guys like you, it's like, you're the ones on the other end trying to make it like, it's cool to hear. It's refreshing to hear that there's people out there that that's their goal, right? I want to make the best quality product, not only for the community, the planet and myself, because I want to be proud about it, but also being able to give back, you know, and have that thing that can get passed down from generation to generation to generation, um, is something that, um, hold on. My screen just popped up something (laughs) post-production. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'll just <laughs> jump in if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, Hold on. I'm just going to. Okay. All right. Go for it, Jack. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no worries at all. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the reason why, like, we haven't, we, me, um, haven't created a travel board bag yet is because. Mm. I want to make sure that I'm creating the best quality product I can. And same thing. People have been like, oh, just, just make one and put it out there and sell it and fix it along the way. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And even with the canvas covers that we're making now, like the reason why it took so long to make a simple drawstring bag is because, mm-hmm. you know, I was on the computer for months researching the, the fabric. I was speaking with suppliers of the fabric I thought I wanted to use in the past and asking questions that they couldn't answer sometimes, like where the fabric mm. comes from, where where is it farmed, who is working the farms, you know, are they being paid good wages, how is the dye done, like there's so much that went into the actual simple product of a canvas bag. Um, yeah. And yeah, now I can feel good about it and screw what everybody else says about like, I'll <laughs> do it and fix it along the way. Like I'd rather put the time in now just like we were talking at the beginning of the episode, you know, simple things are sometimes not so simple, but if you set it up the right way in the beginning, then, you know, you're kind of set for the future, hopefully. Yeah. Well, well, on that note, <laughs> thanks, Jack, for coming on and talking all about Pharaoh and all the great things you have going on. And it's just, uh, it, it's a great idea. The, the brand, it looks awesome. And I'm just really stoked to see what, what, you know, where it goes in the future and just to stay in touch and keep this conversation rolling. Yeah, definitely. We should definitely stay in touch. And yeah, thank you for having me on the show. And I just want to say like, along the keel has been an awesome find. I'm so happy that you contacted me because <laughs> I'm a huge podcast fan and like, yeah, always listening to podcasts and I've learned already so much from listening to your past episodes and yeah, hopefully I'll learn a lot more in the future. You always have awesome. So yeah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no problem, man. It's my pleasure. But before we go, like where can people learn more about, um, you know, Pharaoh? Like how can they get in touch? How can they get involved? Where they, where can they buy a bag? Yeah. So you can go to our website. It's really simple. Pharaohboardbags.com. And you can also find us on Instagram if you just type in Pharaoh underscore board bags, or you can just search Pharaoh board bags in the search bar and it'll come up um, mm-hmm. We're on Facebook. You can always email us also. You can find out all that information for the social email, stuff like that on the website. So yeah, head awesome. over and check it out. Sweet. Right on, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show and we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Yep. Thank you very much, Zach. Have a good day. You as well. Later, man. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Along the Keel. It was a real pleasure being able to talk with Jack and learn all about how Faro board bags came to be and where it's going. Now, if you notice, this episode was recorded a little bit in the past, 
And if there was anything that was said that was related to the weather or maybe time of year, I apologize. This episode, a lot of these episodes get recorded and pre-recorded so that I can have some time to edit, get things ready, and then have them put out. So not necessarily an episode that was recorded recently, but it's a great episode nonetheless, and it was a pleasure having Jack on. The last bit of that conversation really kind of stuck out to me and was so relatable where Jack mentioned, I mentioned about a post that Jack had made about being the man wearing all the hats. I think that's such an incredible analogy towards what it means to start a small business, start any sort of endeavor, a part, a, a project. And although it may be a lonely endeavor, your impact is big no matter what and how many steps you've taken. So I think that's one thing that I think everyone should consider when going out on your own and trying something is it's going to be lonely, but at the same time, you're going to be the guy wearing all the hats and there's going to be a very, very big impact as a result, or at least we can hope, right? So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, tune in on Waypoint TV, check out the Chasing Tides article over at chasingtides.com and make sure to sign up for our newsletter, like, share, and subscribe to Along the Keel on Apple and iTunes. Check us out on Spotify and give us some love on Facebook and Instagram. It means a ton. Cool things coming down the pipeline, and I hope to see you soon. So make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.